Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer. This is Rob Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. It's April 18th, 2019, 7.36 p.m. Man, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Some good, mostly bad. Yeah, one of those weeks. Yeah. Uh, let's get to our fact checks and follow-ups first. Follow-up. Mark Wahlberg played Vince Papali. I guess that's how you say it. He was a uh, 30-year-old bartender from South Philadelphia who ended up playing for the Eagles in, the ni- in 1976 after they held public tryouts. The movie was called Invincible. It was based on a true story. I think we saw that one. I've seen it. I slept through it, probably. Most likely. <laughs> it's a pretty good movie. Too bad it was the uh, Eagles. I know. I was researching for this fact check. I mean, you did the fact check, but I also wanted to fact check and make sure he was a- actually a Patriots fan, which he is. Um, and they had a list of the most famous football fans of each team. Tampa Bay Bucks was not Nick Carter. That surprised me. Uh, me too. It was Dick Vitale. Vitale? Am I saying that right? Probably butchering it. (laughs) It wouldn't be a Buccaneers Observer podcast if we weren't butchering a name. I think Nick Carter's probably more famous than Dick Vitale. Sports people know Dick Vitale. Right. I knew the name. I didn't know what he was or what he did. But thankfully, the article laid that out. He's an NBA announcer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So he's a big Bucks fan, apparently. And you said they had Wiz Khalifa as a... Oh my, this made me so mad. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the most famous fan was Wiz Khalifa. Not Snoop Dogg. Infinitely more famous. I don't... I would say so. I mean... Deserves the recognition, I think, over... If you ask my mom if she knows Wiz or Snoop Dogg... Or recognize that she would say Snoop Dogg. Same thing with Nick Carter and Dick Vitale. So, you know, the common person this list doesn't apply to. Okay. Another fact check. Drew Brees is actually listed at six foot. That is not a lie. Five eleven. He's probably five eleven and three quarters and they round it up. He's probably five five. Russell Wilson is listed at five foot eleven. He is the shortest starting quarterback in the league now. He's also the shortest quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Yes, he is. Too bad Doug Flutie never won a Super Bowl. I think How he was, was he? he he was short. <laughs> <laughs> he used to have to jump to throw the football. <laughs> Did he play basketball? That probably would have come in handy. <laughs> no, he could not have played basketball. He might have played curling. Okay. Is that the sweeping game? Yes. Which, you know, there's a bunch of ex-NFL guys that are starting a curling team. Can you imagine seeing that big two 300-pound guys out there? I would love to see that. Yeah. Especially on skates. I just want to see them on skates, really. You'll probably get a chance when the Olympics roll around. I can't believe that's an Olympic sport, to be honest with you. There's probably more to it than a lot. It's probably harder than it looks. Oh, the, all sports are. But all sports don't deserve to be in the Olympics. <laughs> Fact check. NFL teams can only change their uniforms every five years instead of four years. I could have swore it was four years, but it's five years. But we have still reached that milestone. We can change our uniforms, Glazers. We can do it. <laughs> you got this. You can do it. Another follow-up. Russell Wilson won Super Bowl XLV 111, <laughs> which I think, what is that? Is that 43? That's 48. 48? Yeah. Oh, that's right. 
Okay. There's a V in there. So he won Super Bowl 48 in the 2013 season. He won against the Denver Broncos in a 43-8 to route. Okay, that's the one that I picked. That's the one? That's the one. Okay. That was when he became the shortest quarterback to win the Super Bowl. The previous record was six foot, which was held by Lynn Dawson, Joe Theismann, and Drew Brees. They're all tied. Yes. Maybe Drew Brees was six foot at the start of his career, but he's aged a little bit since then, and people lose height as yeah, they age. They compress. They do. I was going to say like fine wine, but I don't think fine wine compresses. I don't, I don't think so. Particle board like compresses. Like fossils. <laughs> well, you know, if this new quarterback who's supposed to go in the first round, I can't remember his name. He's like five Kyler foot, Murray? Yeah, he's like five foot ten. Really? I think. That'll be a fact check for next week. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we get for saying stuff that we don't know the answer to. Well, or if can't we, verify. If we didn't say stuff we didn't know the answer to, this podcast would be really short. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a two-minute podcast. <laughs> hey, what's a podcast a little bit BSing going on? They all do it. Okay, big fact check. We were absolutely wrong. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I knew you were going to do this. Carry on. You're going to say, what's this wee crap? I didn't have to. <laughs> you knew what I was saying. <laughs> We were wrong about the schedule leak. And you did it again. What? Oh, I said we? Yeah, again. Yeah. The guy on Twitter was wrong about the schedule (laughs) leak. How about that? Your sources. Yeah, he was way wrong. Guy's been right for the past couple years, but this year he just got it totally wrong. The real schedule is out, and man, what a doozy it is for the Buccaneers. It's really bad. It really is. We don't have a home game for... Six straight weeks. Yeah. Yeah. We're home the first game of the season at San- with San Francisco, which will be fun because Quan. Quan. Yeah, he's talking crap on Twitter about that. Oh, ready. Well, Donovan Smith is talking back to him. Donovan Smith said, hey, remember my Gucci sunglasses you borrowed and never gave back to me? <laughs> You know, since Donovan has gotten his money, he is, that's all he talks about is money. Yeah. Have you noticed that? He's funny on Twitter. Yeah, he's, he's, he's funny on uh, his podcast and stuff. I don't listen to it. I should. Probably. Well, it, it's him. They haven't done any since last season, I think. But him and Ali Marpet and Casey Phillips, they, they'll sit around for about 15 minutes. I think it's on the Buccaneers website. Yeah, and Casey Phillips is the Buccaneers insider with Scott Smith, Smith too. Mm-hmm. I've watched that one. So we have San Francisco at home week one, then... Automatic win right there. Right. You think so? Oh, yeah. If they don't, Bruce Ann's will probably fire everybody on the team. <laughs> then we go away to Carolina, then we're home with the Giants, and then starts a stretch of five games away. So we've got... The, we go to the Rams, then we go to New Orleans, and then we go to London... To match the Panthers, that's counted as a home game, but it's not a home game. Then we go to the Titans, and then to Seattle. Yeah, that's that's two West Coast games, a London game. I saw somebody edit it up, and it's like 30,000 miles they traveled. It was ridiculous. And actually, one of the schedulers, the NFL schedule makers, he's got some important title. Let me look at it. His name is Mike North. He's the NFL's Senior Director of Broadcast Planning and Scheduling. How would you like to have that as a title? It's a mouthful. I'd probably like to have his paycheck. (laughs) Probably. But he admitted that he would love to have another shot at the Tampa Bay Bucks schedule. They have computer models that generate all the schedules and they kind of pick through. So what does he do? 
Oh, he just picks from the, he picks, the generated yeah. schedule. And I guess they didn't really look at the Bucks schedule because nobody cares about the Bucks. I want a job where the computer does everything and then I just pick. I think that's most jobs. Oh. <laughs> Unless you're the one putting the information in the computer. Artificial intelligence coming your way. <laughs> yeah, so we've got a six-week stretch where... The Buccaneers do not play at Raymond James Stadium. Five of those are away games, and then we have a bye week. So Weeks. we go from September 22nd all the way to November 10th before Raymond James Stadium gets a game. To be fair, we have gone to October games primarily. It's hot. It is so hot, and we're not Tampa natives, so it's a, a little bit much to deal with. And we always sit on the... We're on the club side, usually. Yeah, club level, but it's on the opponent's side. So the sun yeah. is right on us. Yeah. And so, you know, that just means drinking a lot of beer to keep hydrated. We're going inside, which the glazer, Glazers have said, like, oh, if it gets too hot, you know, you can go inside, watch the game in there. But what's the difference between that and going to a bar and watching it? To me. And every time I go inside, that's when a big play happens. Yeah. I want to be out there. It's so much different at the stadium than it is watching it on a broadcast. Oh, yeah. In the stands, it's so much bigger. I never realized that until I actually went to a game. The Bucks game that we went to, I think it was the Redskins, way back 2012. Back in the day. Back in the day. I didn't realize how close you actually got to the field and how much bigger Everything looked like you can just see everything in the stands. So it's just a different experience. But it's really hot in Tampa during that time. <laughs> in case you don't know. Yes, and that kind of takes away one of our advantages is that, well, it's a supposed advantage, is bringing teams into t in Raymond James Stadium who aren't used to that hot weather uh, having them in their dark uniforms. That's true. You know, it's supposed to be a strategic thing, but it, it hasn't worked for us in quite a few years. Nothing seems to work for us quite a few years. But here's another thing about the schedule. We start off, we have two games in four days to start the season off. We play San Francisco September 8th, and then September 12th, four days later, we're playing Carolina on Thursday night football. I'm okay with that. Right, but then there's a 10-day stretch between Carolina and uh, the Giants. I'm not okay with that. Right. That's the only thing I don't like about Thursday night football. When your team plays, they don't play on Sunday. That's true. I like Sunday games. I Sunday Sunday is my holy day. Everybody that knows me knows I don't do anything on Sunday but watch football all day long. From the time I get up to the time I pass out, <laughs> it's football. And our London game, it's going to air at like 9.30. I know. I can't believe I got to get up that early to watch football. I know. We're going to be drunk by like noon probably. That's a good thing now. Take a nap. There's no naps in football. <laughs> we nap all the time during football. <laughs> you nap. <laughs> you pass out. So I think the first three games are definitely winnable. We got San Francisco 49ers. We got the Carolina Panthers. I wish that we played the Panthers and the Saints later in the season. Unfortunately, this year we're playing the Falcons late in the season because the Panthers, they just get banged up. You know, by the end of the season, they're limping. You know, they, they're, they're a very physical team and... You know, they get hurt. Uh, the Saints, Drew Brees' arm, this has been going on for, what, five or six years, and I've been paying attention that his arm just gets weaker and weaker as the season goes on. So by the end of the, if you like last year, by the end of the season, they were basically running the ball. You know, they couldn't depend on Drew Brees to throw crap. But so we're, play, we, 
We're playing the Saints week five and week 11. And then we're done with the Saints and the Panthers at that point. Yeah. We see the Falcons week 12 and then again week 17. Fun fact about the Falcons, they don't play outdoors until week 11. Get out of here. So they go 11 weeks or 10 weeks in a dome. Really? Well, good for them. They'll be, they're going to be all comfortable and relaxed. Exactly. And then we're going to get on week 12. Oh, that's at their dome. Right. And so they're only, still in a dome. Only three of their 16 games will be played outdoors. What? Are you serious? I'm super serious. And one of those is the last game of the season against us at Raymond James Stadium where we're just going to curb stop them, have them limping into 2020. That is correct. We are just going to beat the mess out of them. Dirk Cutter's going to be so sad. <laughs> I can't wait. But yeah, looking at the schedule, we got the Rams. They're going to be pretty difficult, but they might have the Super Bowl hangover. That's a huge possibility, the way they got trounced in the Super Bowl. And especially the end of the year in the Super Bowl, Todd Gurley was not that big of a factor. And no. No, he, was hurt. he was a little sulky about it during the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. he was told that he was going to be a big part of the game plan. The, the Rams have not gotten better. They've they've lost some people in free agency. Mark Barron, Dominican Sue, you know, some key players. So they're not going to be as big, as as good as they were last year, and plus the Super Bowl hangover. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a huge thing. It really and it is. was a big loss for them. And Oh, it was a beatdown. Just seeing Sean McVay's face on the sidelines, it was just total deer in the headlights mm-hmm. towards yeah. the end he of the look, Super Bowl. <laughs> if you wanted to have a coach as a picture of the definition of deer in the headlights, it was Sean McVay during the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Then we got the uh, Titans coming up week eight. That we should we should be able to just beat the mess out of them. They're going nowhere. That's a shame. You know, it's I hate to see that, but whatever. <laughs> I do. I, like, I don't really feel that bad for them because they're in a weak division. Also, yeah. Well, they got the the Colts. Colts are a tough team. Man. I think they're tough, but they're inconsistent. Only when Andrew Luck doesn't play, right? Which has been a lot. Yeah. But it seems he like went like two years without throwing a pass. But it seems like he's over his injuries. He was lighted up last Maybe, year. Maybe, but can you really go two years without throwing a pass? Well, he did fine last year. Uh, we got the Seahawks in week nine. I think that's, that's our last away game. That's going to be rough, though. If it's the last away game in that series of right. away games. I mean... Yeah, we got to go all the way to the West Coast. Right. So how tired are they going to be? It's a 4 o'clock game, so we'll play... One o'clock Eastern time. It's a three-hour time difference. And I think it starts at four or five Eastern time. Oh, okay. Then we got the Cardinals, which you know Arians has probably got this one circled on his calendar to make sure we win that. Then we got the Saints again. So the Cardinals are at home. Then Cardinals the Saints are, are at home. Cardinals are at Raymond James, yes. And then the Saints are at Raymond James. Then we go to Atlanta. Then we go to Jacksonville. Which Jacksonville, who knows how they're going to be this year. I mean, last year they just fell apart, but they've gotten rid of their quarterback. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. I don't know what's going on with Fournette. You know, they oh, had, he just got arrested? Yeah, it's just for a traffic ticket then. Uh, which was ridiculous that they even arrested him for that crap. But they've got some issues going on there, and who knows if they're going to right in their ship or not. They're a good defensive team, or at least they were. They seem to... 
focus on defense. They had that one good year when they made it to the playoffs a couple years ago, and then they got beat in the playoffs, and then seemed like they haven't really recovered. Yeah. Then right after that, we got the Colts, which you brought that up, that Bruce Arians knows Andrew Luck very, very well. And and he knows him psychologically very well. So you can bet your sweet butt Arians is going to be playing some games with him psychologically. I think so, too. And that's a home game. Arians is a very psychological guy. He's more into the mental aspect of football than anything else. Absolutely. Then we got Detroit, which Detroit is always, always, always a tough team to play. Even when we were in their division, black and blue, it didn't matter if they were the, the bottom of the league. They're still a tough team. I think it's just the mentality of Detroit. And this game is in Detroit, so they've got that advantage there. It's in a dome, so we don't really have to worry about the elements. Then we got the Houston Texans in week 16, December 21st or 22nd. That's to be determined. So it looks like they might flex us, depending on how we're doing. Which we're going to be doing great, so they're going to be flexing all kinds of mess. Maybe we'll have a Monday night football game then. And then we close... Well, and the Texans, I think we won't have a problem beating them either. I think they're on their downtrend. No, and with Deshaun Watson being a running quarterback, mm-hmm. Bruce Arians got that in the bag. Yes. And then we close out the season at home with the Dirty Birds. So I'm looking at this, and I'm I'm only seeing, like, I've got my, my Buccaneers tinted glasses on. I'm only <laughs> seeing, like, three losses maybe. But I'm still going to stick with... 10 and 6, 11 and 5. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Jenna Lane had us at 8 and 8. Well, of course. That's the easy thing to do. Take a chance, man. <laughs> Be a fan of the team. You I just saw her tweet it, and then you somebody can, gave her a hard time about it. If you if you look at all the the media people, all their predictions every year, it's right in the middle. Because then they can't. You know, yeah. You, you take a chance. Go I mean, 16 and 0. We're going 16 and 0 this year. <laughs> Mark it I down. don't see you picking that. <laughs> I went ten and ten, 10 and six. six. Yeah, that's what I would say. Which, too. which to be honest, even without the rose-colored glasses on, there's just not a lot of teams on here that can match up with us well. The Rams, all depending on how they show up this year. And to be honest with you, I I would be surprised if they played near the level they played last year. I agree with that. Uh, the Seahawks, eh? I think they're done. And the Colts, and maybe the Texans. Other than that, you know, the rest of the teams look very, very beatable. I would say the best team that we play is probably the Saints. If I was wearing a shoe, I'd take it off and smack you with it. Did I'm you just, just being realistic that? here. I'm being realistic here. <laughs> I'm not trying to be realistic. But. Screw the Saints. We don't have a hard time with them. I know. We always we, play them we hard. We always play. Even when we're the crappiest team in the league, we play the Saints hard. Exactly. So we've got that stretch of home games. Greg Allman pointed this, this out, that the Bucks are 15-25 and 25 at home in the last five years, with only the Browns having a worse home record. So hey. surrendering a home game for the London game, really not a big deal. And having all these away games. You need to erase that from history because we've had just bad culture in the Buccaneers. Ever since, I'm going to say ever since Gruden, I mean, Raheem Morris came in and brought the youngery. We had a lot of hope. We played some good football. And then the team just imploded like no team I've ever seen implode. I mean, we went 10-6 and six in 2011. We start off 4-1 and one in 2000, 
No, I'm sorry. We went ten and six in 2010. We start off four and one or four and two in 2011. Go to London, and then that's just when everything just we lost ten straight after that. How do you do that? Yeah, the team just quit on him. So then we bring in Shiano. Way too much of a disciplinarian attitude going from, you know, partying with the coach to, you know, you can't even step across the line with the coach. And, you know, the media did not like Shiano, so they attacked him constantly. And there was a lot of locker room uh, dissatisfaction. And then you bring Lovey Smith in, and he acted like he just didn't care about winning at all. I, I don't even know what his deal was. I mean, he came in and blew up our offensive line to start his tenure, which I have never seen that before. And it's amazing to me that people don't bring that up every time they talk about Lovey Smith. I've never seen a coach do that before. To me, it looked like he had a vendetta against the Buccaneers. And sure enough, we just sucked the whole time he was here. Some of the worst football I've ever seen. Anyhow, so throw all that away. This is a new football team. This is a new coach. And this is a coach that doesn't play around. This is a coach that has, he wants to leave a legacy. This is a coach that he's very much into the players, the personalities, and leaving something behind. He's not going to let this team be like it has been for the past decade. So put all that crap away. We are getting ready to watch some awesome, entertaining football and some entertaining press conferences, too. (laughs) That's true. So all this, we haven't won at home. It doesn't matter. We haven't won anywhere. That's true. We just don't. We haven't won. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) She's giving me that calm down look. Calm down. (laughs) I like you on your soapbox, though. And we've got players that appear to care about the team. Earl Watford, our new offensive lineman, Mm -hmm. tweeted today asking what the Buccaneers fan slogan or hashtag was on Twitter. Oh, awesome. So I thought that was cool that he's into the fans. Do we have a slash tag hashtag? (laughs) Slash slash tag. That's what we should call the Buccaneers hashtag. A a slash slash tag. tag. I don't know. He tweeted at the Buccaneers. Media? Yeah. And they replied, hashtag go Bucks. And then other people joined in. Yeah, yeah, go Bucks. It's a Bucks life. Yeah, go Bucks. So, but it was just cool that he took an interest and especially the fan side of it. Yes. I like that. And we really saw with JPP, he's very fan oriented. So I would love that Mm -hmm. for us to get people on the team that really care about the fan and the fan experience. That would be good. I really believe, and this is going to be a segue into the next segment coming up, that we need a really unified fan base. I think that's very, very lacking with the Buccaneers. One thing about the Buccaneers, Tampa's a great city, and and we talked about this last podcast. Unfortunately, it is a migrant city, if you want to say it that way. Not too many people are born there. They come in from other states. So they're not enmeshed in the culture of Tampa Bay football. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are more of a nationwide team. You know, there's probably more fans across the nation than there are in Tampa Bay of the Buccaneers. I would like to see us unify all that fan base. One day I'm going to do a podcast on what I think the 12th man fan base should be like. But anyhow, are we ready to get into the next segment here? Let's do it. I really don't want to. I don't either. Speaking of the fan base, the stick carriers were something I thought was fantastic. Uh, It got changed to the Bucks mob after Dirk Cutter left. This was run by Justin Pawlowski. Paulowski. Paulowski. He does the Bucks Uncensored podcast. Unfortunately, he was arrested yesterday 
yesterday morning for some pretty bad stuff. And I'm going to tell you, it has, me and Molly have really both been, I'll use the word depressed. I, it was on Reddit yesterday. Yeah, Reddit, Reddit broke it. The user Gruden Curse broke it yesterday at around 2 p.m. Ralph sent it to me. It was the link to the, the county's court website. Had him listed, the charges. This morning it broke with the Tampa media. So it was on Twitter first thing, but we heard about it last night. Honestly, I didn't sleep that great. It sounds a Same little here. dramatic. Yeah it, yeah, it does. I feel and a I little dramatic I, for it. Yeah, I, it, it really it really bothered me. The whole situation, the whole situation bothered me. I'm not a fan of Butts Uncensored. I did me not neither. like the podcast. No. I don't like all the yelling. I think Justin was a little bit too hateful for my taste. He, I think it's only been in the last year. It really hasn't been that long. But him, he and Joe Butts fan have kind of partnered and seem to be friendly and they feature him on the website, their website, and the draft party was the Bucks Uncensored. Yes, that's right. That's kind draft of draft party. Yeah, they're still having a draft party, by the way. Yeah. Please go out and support it. I feel like the mood is gonna be very Somber. dour. Yes. But the charges are he was soliciting sex from who he thought was a fourteen year old boy in a chat room. It actually turned out to be a police officer who they were participating in a, a sting. He sent explicit pictures to this person that he's always a child, try to get them to meet up. He's going to get his day in court, obviously. So, innocent until proven guilty. But it's just not something you ever want connected to your fan base, and especially such a prominent Figure. People in the Bucks mob have been on Twitter condemning him, what he's done. They've changed the name of the draft party. They've said the Bucks mob is still going to move on and exist without him because he wasn't the Bucks mob despite being in a leadership position. Yes, and Joe Bucks fan did distance themselves from them and pointed out that they have never hired Justin Except for once in 2011, he did some contract work for him. But the Bucks Uncensored, while it was pushed by Joe Bucks fan, it was never sponsored by Joe Bucks fan. And Justin was in charge of getting his own, doing his own podcast and sponsors. So Joe Bucks fan rightfully distanced themselves from him. Problem I have with this whole situation, and, and here's what kind of kept me up last night, is the glee. Justin was not liked very well by a large segment of the population of Buck fans, especially the Tampa Bay media. One of the reasons is because he attacked them. Rick Stroud, Tom Jones, a lot of the guys that worked at Tampa Bay Times. From what I understand, he had a really confrontational personality, and that was why he wasn't in radio anymore. Yes. But if you look on all the public forums and the Twitters and all that good, the response is everybody's happy. They're ecstatic. They're good. He deserves this. I never liked him anyway. He was a piece of crap. Blah, 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 blah. That bothers me. One, it makes Tampa Bay fans look like crap. You know, Buccaneer fans. Him doing this makes Buccaneer fans. It's association. I don't care what you say. You might go, oh, he's not represented a Buccaneer fan. Yeah, only Buccaneer fans are going to say that. The rest of the world's going to look at him as a representative of Buccaneer fans. Right. He's sponsoring a Buccaneers draft party. Yeah. I mean, he is one of the most vocal 
media Buccaneer fan personalities. I mean, he established the stick carriers that basically invaded practice last year and took over the stands. And Dirk Cutter congratulated them all that because they were all hooting and hollering and all that. And I'd love to see that. I wish we had more of that. But for him to do this, get arrested, and then have all of his enemies jump up and down with glee, that just makes Buccaneer fans look petty and idiotic. Now, Rick Stroud did not do that. He did retweet the article showing Justin's mugshot and all that. But the media has not pounced on this, if I want to use that term. They've been professional, I they, think. They've been professional about it. we got to be careful because the rest of the football world is looking at us. Yeah, this was picked up by National News. When I searched it on Google, ABC News came up. That was the first one. You know, a, several national news agencies had published a story. Pulowski was doing a good thing with the stick carriers and what's called the Bucks mob now, which I imagine is going to be a no more whatsoever. Somebody needs to pick up that torch and do it because what he I was doing. I think they are. Yeah, because we need that. We need to solidify the Buccaneers fan base. I hope that he hasn't tainted what they were That's doing. That's what I'm worried about. Right, exactly. It's very, it's very sad. Like, like Molly said, she couldn't sleep last night. I couldn't sleep last night because he is a prominent figure. Whether you like him, you dislike him. Nobody should be happy about this. You know, let let justice play out. But in any case, it's very horrible. Very horrible. For all involved, him, his life is ruined, whether deservedly so or not. We don't know, but it's not going to be a pleasant experience for him. He has a small child. Is that his kid or is that her kid? I think it's her kid. In any case, there's a small child in his life. Yes. He's got... A girlfriend who's a prominent figure in Tampa who she is probably going to have to experience this very public humiliation. Yes, and to have, you know, hordes of Buccaneer fans jumping up and down and clapping because Polanski got arrested. That's got to really bother her. Whether she stays with him or not, it's a very public embarrassment to have to endure. It's just sad. It really For everybody is. involved. It really, really and is. And I don't like him. I never listened to the podcast. I listened to him when he first started it. I listened to him for about a year, but you know, it was kind of repetitive. He's more emotional than I like, more opinion based. And you know, he had he's, he, he's he, very mean. I think he's Yes, mean. he got very mm. He was very hateful to Cutter, which that's what I don't like. Well he loved Cutter at first. So he started, you know, the whole stick carry movement was based on Cutter's yeah. carry a big stick, speak softly thing. But then it got to the point where the team wasn't performing and he turns on Cutter and is just... Right, which is something you know I'm not a fan of. If you listen to the podcast, I'm not a fan of attacking the team. You just don't do that. But that's what he did. He did it to Cutter. He did it to Deshaun Jackson. You know, he, he does said, it to McCoy. He does it to Levante David. Yeah. He said Cutter was ruining Jameis. And he might be right about some of the stuff. But it's just, he, he like you said, he was hateful. Yeah. And... So I didn't listen to him uh, after, the, I think, the first year of his podcast. It just, like I said, it got repetitive. I did enjoy the call-in stuff, and I like to do something of that nature, having call-ins. It's hard to do it with the podcast, though, you know, because you call in, you have to leave a message, and then, you know, we can't really respond to them directly. It's basically, you just call in, and we play the, the person's message. So I don't really want to end the podcast on such a dour note. You got anything uplifting? Quan was not the only one that was tweeting trash talk at the Bucks. Oh, about good. Who, who else? Brad 
Bradley McDougald. Oh! From the Seahawks. From the Seahawks, yeah. said, week 9, 11-3, game on, Buccaneers. And he tweeted a picture of him in a Buccaneers uniform intercepting Russell Wilson throwing to Lockett. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Uh, it's a damn shame we got rid of him. I think so, so too. So many good players we've ejected over the years. Another little tidbit, which was hilarious. Jason Lockenfora, he's an NFL insider, quote-unquote, tweeted that he heard Jeff Fisher is in line to coach Houston of the XFL. And Jeff Fisher tweeted at him, false news that I am headed to XFL Houston. Maybe get better sources. Have a great Thursday. Dang. So he shot that down. Yeah, he got called out very publicly. Well, that's good for, uh, who was it, Houston? That that saves them from an 8-8 season in perpetuity. (laughs) You sent me some of the schedule announcements from the different teams. Oh, those were great. Atlanta Falcons had a good Game of Thrones. Yes, they did. Themed. Their graphics weren't great. Well, they were good for, I thought, for not being Hollywood. That's true. It was hilarious. They're... If you're a Game of Thrones fan. Which, who isn't? Who isn't? (laughs) They go through the map of Westeros and East Essos at the beginning of every episode, and you kind of see where the episode is going to take you. So they did that with the Atlanta Falcons schedule. And it was really cool. The Saints, when they they met the Saints, when they went to the Saints Stadium, the graphic had the S fall off the sign, so it was the Aints. And then one of the Saints players, I think, got stepped on by something or squashed. He got hit as the... By the S. Was it by the S? And somebody was running by and slammed into him and knocked him down, and then he stood up and the referee ran over and said, no foul. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. That was probably my favorite one. Yeah. The Carolina Panthers one was pretty good, too. Yeah, I didn't like that one. If you're a throwback gamer, that was was good I mean, I grew up with all those games, but even still, I was just like, meh. Yeah. Uninspiring. It was creative. The San Diego Chargers. That was a good one. Was hilarious. They did their announcement with all stock video. That was hilarious. And every time they got to a Chiefs game, they had people in chef's outfits. <laughs> which was a phenomenal touch. It yeah, was excellent. It, was. it really was. And then the Buccaneers had a graphic. A picture. I was really disappointed in them. We got to up our, uh, our our game there, Buccaneers media guys. They apparently did not get the memo that this was a... Yeah, there were some really good ones across the league. I think the Falcons one was the best. Okay. It, when you go, when you say, as far as looking at it and going, that's impressive. The Falcons one was the best. But the Chargers one, you're right. That, that was, was the funniest one. It was. I'm going to retweet it. <laughs> Don't you dare. It was hilarious. This, this is a Buccaneers... I will retweet the Buccaneers <laughs> one first. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should tweet at the Buccaneers that they need a do-over. you got to get on them about getting the microphones with the reporters again. I know. Because I can't hear anything. I know. We think it was Rick Stroud that asked the question. No, I think it was Roy Cummings. Roy blocked the Jones? The Joes? Yeah, because remember they were getting into it a couple weeks ago. So it was Roy Cummings. I think it was Roy. Yeah, it's been a while since I've heard his voice, and I couldn't recognize who it was. That asked... 
Who, why did Bruce Arians tell Jerry McCoy not to show up at practice? Now, you had brought up that if he got hurt at practice, they would owe him the money. Yeah. And Joe Buck's fans said the same thing on their podcast. So you're probably right. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I think Bruce Arians said that. When did he say that? Greg Allman tweeted it. There wasn't a Bruce Arians press conference that I saw. Well, these guys, Greg Allman, Rick Stroud, they're really good at getting, catching these guys in the parking lots and stuff. Right. So I'm wondering if that's what happened. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I think so. Or he got, got or, it from McCoy. Hold on. So maybe I'm misinterpreting this. Maybe he didn't speak to Arians. This is the exact tweet from Greg Allman. This was two days ago. Arian said he wanted all players at Bucks voluntary workouts to learn new schemes. Only reason you'd specifically want a player not there is if you wanted to eliminate the risk of an injury that would force you to pay a salary while he recovered. There you go. So maybe it wasn't Arians that said that. That was just Greg Allman's contribution or interpretation. Huh. Interesting. Anyhow, I, I thought it was a really big scoop that I don't understand why it's not being talked about more in the media. You know, Bruce Arians apparently called Gerald McCoy and told him not to show up for voluntary workouts. And that's why he's not there. Right. And everybody's given, well, he hasn't been there the past few years. Right. But everybody's been giving Gerald McCoy a hard time about not showing. Even we have. We said he should have been there just to show his commitment to the team and be there for the new coach and all that. We were wrong. The coach told him not to show up. Right. So that's... How that's not bigger news, I don't know. I know, and I wish whoever asked the question will go ahead and put their scoop out there. Yes, put the article out or something. I got a little scoop for you. What you got? Jason Pierre-Paul, I follow him on Instagram, and he posted this today. You're going to piss a lot of people off when you start doing what's best for you. And in the description of the picture, he said, please take note, GM. Oh, ow. So, I don't know if he's talking to Gerald McCoy, if he's talking to GM Jason Light. He posted it at like 6 in the morning, so was it please take note, good morning, combo good morning? Oh, so that GM could mean anything. It could mean anything. Was it capitalized? Yes. That's got to be general manager, I would say. Or Gerald McCoy. I think it could be McCoy. That's GMC. Everybody refers to him as GMC. I know, but if you don't want to make it obvious that you're talking to him. Right. To everybody. If you're still employed by the team That's, that you think is... That, it could be grandma, too. We don't know. <laughs> right. Somebody in the comments asked, GM Jason Light or Gerald McCoy? And, of course, he didn't answer one way or the other. Well, that's pretty big news. So, JPP's going to do what's good for JPP. No, I think if he was talking to Gerald McCoy, he was saying, Gerald McCoy, you need to do what's best for you. That's what I got out of it. You're going to piss a lot of people off. You're going to piss off a lot of people when you start doing what's best for you. Please take note, GM. Hmm. Interesting. That doesn't sound like JPP, though. JPP is a team guy. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he would say, hey, you do what's good for you. Screw the team. Don't know. That's going to be interesting to see. Add that in the things to look up when all this crap hits the fan. Right, exactly. We'll have that in there. When Maybe you, that was pointing at it. When do you think they're going to make a decision on Jerry McCoy? When do you think we're going to know? The draft. After the draft? During. During the draft. I think. Well, yeah, maybe after the draft because I think they still want to use him for draft capital maybe for a trade. 
Because maybe we get draft picks for him. I find it funny how, you know, the guy's making $13 million. That's a lot of money. And we don't have teams beating our doors down for him. Well, so, if we cut him, then they don't have to pay him the $13 million. Yeah, right. He's going to, he, he'll probably get eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that area. Right. But if they just wait until we cut him, they don't have to pay him the $13 million. If they trade what? for him, they're giving up a draft pick and they're going to be stuck with that bloated contract. I think it's in everyone's best interest just to wait the bucks out. Because they know that you're going to have to cut him. They know we have to cut him. Right. Here, here's the problem, though, is that if you wait him out, you're not guaranteed to get him. You know, one of these teams with a lot of salary, like the Colts, who have the crap, and they're still sitting on like $100 million in cap space, and they're still a good team. Right, but if you can get him at a bargain, why wouldn't you? Because you'd be scared of not getting him at all. Somebody else steps up and offers more or whatever. Maybe. But in that case, if you have the expendable cap room, then you could potentially get into a bidding war if you really wanted him that bad. Like 49ers did with Quan, They got into a bidding war with themselves. <laughs> right. I can't believe they paid that much for an injured linebacker who, while he's good, you know, he's not... Sounds that kind of He's not Keekly. Yeah. But, they, you know, that's what happens when you got all this money to spend. Buccaneers have been a victim of that for the past decade. You know, we've had money out the yin-yang. Look at all these free agents we brought in that haven't that contributed. That we've overpaid. Crap, yeah. We paid way too much money. Uh, Michael Johnson, the worst. My only other thought with McCoy is that we're trying to put pressure on him to restructure. Yeah. I don't know. You know how I feel about restructuring. Just... If you take a pay cut at your job, how hard are you going to work at your job? Well, mm. even if he doesn't take a pay cut, but just restructures the deal so it's more favorable. Shift it. Yeah, yeah. shift it to something. Although I don't think the Bucks really want to do that because if you shift it into like a signing bonus or roster bonus and spread it out over a number of years, then you're stuck with Still, that. Yeah. yeah, we're going to be in cap. I mean, we don't have any guaranteed money with him right now. Yeah, we're going to be in cap hell for a little Couple years here, especially so with spreading it James's out. James's contract oh, next year. You know that's that's one of those things where you're like, gosh, I really hope James does good this year and wins us a lot. But at the same time, you're like, man, do we really want to be paying him twenty five, thirty million a year? What would you pay to have a consistent fran- franchise quarterback? Me? Yes. I don't care about the quarterback. <laughs> I'm a defensive guy. <laughs> I understand the league has changed, but uh, I just to me paying a quarterback that much money. Hurts a team because then you got a lot of players. That's that, not even that much across the league. I mean, you got yeah, Russell Wilson making thirty-five, right, Drew let, making thirty-three. Let's see what happens with Seattle for the next five years. I don't think they're going to be that good, right? Well, Jameis is not the same caliber as a Russell Wilson no. or a Drew Brees, so maybe we end up paying him twenty-five, twenty-six million a year. That's still God. That's a lot of money, man. Right, but we're paying Mike Evans. 20. Mike Evans deserves it. He deserves more money. We're paying Donovan Smith. Ah, uh, don't even start. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to get me started there. Oh, gosh, you know, I was watching some... Uh, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Some AAF football. And dang it, if there aren't some tackles in there that I'd rather have, you know, to, to get Donovan Smith to play better, give him some competition, put behind him. They might do that. I don't know why they didn't. They might still. They got to get rid of Gerald McCoy, so they have some cap space. And we got to figure out what we have in the draft. 
after the draft. Yeah. We're so close to it. It really doesn't make any sense to sign anybody. That's true. Right now. Yeah. I, I, I think we're going to trade down in the draft. I just don't see anybody in the top five. And, and again, I don't know crap about college football. I don't follow these guys at all. But I have watched film on them, but just because their names have been thrown around. And I don't see anybody where I go, wow. No, I mean, nobody. And hopefully, you know, I'm not a total moron in that aspect. And the front office sees the same thing and goes, wow, there's really nobody here. You know, when you're, when you're looking at a top five draft pick, you're looking at a Hall of Famer. I mean, that's what you're looking at. You're looking at a guy that's going to change the game for many years to come. I don't see that. Well, they're not opposed to moving down. And Ian Beckles made a good point in his last podcast where he said, we just need football players. We don't need... Yeah, just bodies. Yeah, exactly. We don't need great football players. We don't need Hall of Famers right now. We just need people to fill some spots. Yeah. Because we are significantly lacking. Yeah, and I'm not a big fan of, you know, skill as much as I am attitude. You know, you give me a team of 53 guys that like to hit and tackle i'll take them all day long over 53 odell beckhams right i can't tell you how many players that you brought up to me that you still talk about years after they're not even on the team Mm -hmm. and most fans i don't think would even remember them yeah yeah it's a shame too because i think a lot of them would have really made the team better but so yeah let's look for that in the draft and you're going to get those guys down low I mean, like Bosa, I, you know, I watched him. I was thinking, oh, you know, he's got to be good. His brother's killing it in the league and everything. Watched, oh, not impressed. He's okay. I just wonder if it's the caliber of the competition. I think it's also. marketing. Yes, definitely. The caliber of the competition. I mean, football yeah, college in level. college is not the same as it's, NFL. It's not hard to look really good in college. Yeah. You know, especially if you play in some of these divisions where, you know, you're playing teams that haven't won a bowl in 50 years. And you know you can you can make you can make yourself look. I, anybody can take highlight reel, make a highlight reel. I could make a highlight reel of anybody on the team and make them look awesome. Chandler Catanzaro. I could make Chandler Catanzaro look awesome. I could make a Guayo look awesome. You know that the highlight reels don't mean anything to me. I hate watching them actually. You know I, I have to watch a full game and not just a full game. I, I prefer to watch multiple games of one person against different caliber opponents because that's what matters who they play against matters everything would joe montana be joe montana if he was playing now with tom brady drew Brees, and all these guys in the league you know i mean that's 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 it you know you you are only as good as your competition it's all relative it's all relative so you know when you got these guys in college that are blowing up highlight reels against crappy opponents that doesn't mean anything so I watch for the guys that, you know, have a, a nonstop motor, the guys that don't quit, the guys that chase guys down from behind, you know, the guys that are just out there wanting to hit and tackle and all that. To me, that's what I look. And I'm just not seeing that in the top the top ten that I've looked at, actually. So, but what do I know? I'm not a GM. <laughs> I actually thought we were playing New Orleans Saints first this year. So, <laughs> But they had never been wrong before. <laughs> well, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we, It wouldn't surprise me if we... Trade down. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. At and all. they've said they're not opposed to that. Yeah. I mean, if they've got a guy, they've got an eye on, like Vita Vea, that they know nobody's going to pick up in the first 15. Yeah, trade down, man. Get some more draft picks. Another thing, though, Joe Buck's fan pointed this out on the podcast. Bruce Arians' drafts in Arizona first round are absolutely atrocious. Not a single one of them ever became a, really a starter. 
They were all bust. He's good in like the second and third. <clears throat> but then again, you have to ask, how much power did Bruce Arians have in picking guys? You know, the GM there. And he said before he doesn't really like the young guys. Not that he doesn't like them, but he's yeah. not going to build his team with a bunch of rookies. Right. He prefers the veterans. Yeah, but if, when we watched the All or Nothing, uh, Amir Abdullah got picked by Detroit. And immediately, Arians stepped in and started talking about David Johnson. And, you know, he was kind of lobbying for David Johnson. They picked him up. David Johnson turned out to be a much better running back than Amir Abdullah, which I was high on Amir Abdullah. That was when Detroit was going to go to the Super Bowl, right? That year? <laughs> Detroit's going to the Super Bowl this, this year? <laughs> no, forget I said that. No, I'm joking. Hey, I didn't say they were going last year either. Mm-mm, I know. Who did I say was going? It's hard to say. The Rams. The Rams, probably. Yeah. And then I said the Patriots, because you always pick the Patriots. You know, always. Always. That's like I will always bet on the Patriots. I think I have picked them for yeah. my Super Bowl picks yeah. in the last like five years. When the Patriots and Falcons were playing, and the Falcons were up 28-3 in what was it, the third or fourth quarter? I had picked New, New England anyway. Yeah. And we're watching, I was like, oh, this game's over. Ralph is gloating to yeah. me. I'm walking downstairs and everything, and she's she said, this game's not over. New England's going to come back and win. This is Tom F. and Brady we're talking about. Yeah, and sure enough, they did. I was just, my jaw was on the floor. I was like, what? And I was just laughing in his face. Yeah, she was. <laughs> that was a fun one, though. I mean, you weren't that mad about it because it was no, the it was Falcons. Good. Yeah, getting... <laughs> exactly. I was actually quite <laughs> thrilled. <laughs> Nothing I like to And boy, did they have a Super Bowl hangover. They Woo! sure did. Woo! They'll never live that one down. 28 to 3. 28 to 3, meltdown. (laughs) All right, so we've got two more podcasts before the NFL draft. We're not exactly sure what we're going to do for the NFL draft. I want to live stream on YouTube. Yes, I'd like to, too. So we're debating on that. But we've got, well, right now, right now, it's it's a week away. It's a week away. Everybody get ready. Get your popcorn, get your beer. Lots of beer. Lots of beer. Don't don't expect the Bucks to pick fifth, but you never know. We we might move up. Who knows? That'd be awesome. Draft a quarterback. We'll move up. <laughs> no, we'll move up in the second and draft a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> two kickers. We'll get two second round picks. <laughs> it's a kicker year. <laughs> How funny would that be? I would crack up. To be honest with you. I think the entire box fan base would just revolt. The whole league would be in stitches. Because that that would basically be them saying, "Hey, we've already got our team. We're just we're just, this ain't nothing to us." It's a kicker year. It's a kicker year. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for us. We've got a week until the NFL draft and two more podcasts. But until then, go Bucks.